If you don't see clearly, then everything, everything you do, coming out of what you think you've seen, doesn't add up. Shall I explain? I'll give you an illustration. I think it was Monday night or Tuesday night this week. I woke up. You know what it's like with the dark, the dark mornings. You disorientate as you don't know what time it is. Squinted at the clock and thought it looks about right. Six something. Went into the shower. Had a shower. Um, I thought I do feel a bit, a bit more awake than I normally do. But let's go. Had a shower. Got half dressed. Went downstairs for some breakfast. Uh, just thought I'd do a com- confirm on the time. It's Twenty to one. <laughs> so, <laughs> So I was having a shower and getting ready, but it was 20 to 1. It wasn't half past six, it was 20 to 1. Um, I didn't see it clearly, and as a result, everything else that I did, it didn't add up. You don't have a shower, get dressed, and go for breakfast at 20 to 1 in the morning. Okay? I hadn't seen clearly. If you see clearly, then your actions come out, of a, come out of a right understanding and make sense. So I want our understanding of the Holy Spirit to be uh, correct and, and biblical, do some really good teaching on the Holy Spirit, hopefully, uh, so that we can uh, enjoy and experience and benefit from his amazing work uh, in our lives. Amen? Yeah. yeah. Already hearing some exciting um, testimonies here and there coming through from the series. Um, we really do want to learn how to share what God's doing and how to make sure that we um, uh, celebrate that. So I don't, we, just to say, I don't know, we, we'll make some practical steps to work out how to do that. But if God is um, at work through this and you're, you're seeing transformation and uh, you, you're just recognizing, wow, I'm really, um, the Spirit's doing some great things for this. Please do find ways of letting us know so that we can celebrate together. It's important that we know what God's doing. Um, Okay, so the way the series runs is that we are, uh, each week we do, do five minutes on really important things to know about the Holy Spirit, same things every, every week, just things that we really want you to understand and that are important and that people often don't understand. Uh, and then we are going to look at, over, uh, at, at the experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which the Bible uses that phrase to talk about being empowered by the Holy Spirit, experiencing the power of the Spirit so that we can actually live the Christian life. And then um, we're looking at one verse, they're the same verse every week, looking at different steps, important steps that we need to take in order to come into the uh, experience of the, power, of the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then finally, uh, every week we're looking at just one different thing that the Holy Spirit does in our lives that he enables us to do, that he gives us power for. So that's the format of the series. So five big things to remember about a minute on each. Firstly, the Holy Spirit is a person and not an impersonal force. He's the third person of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're all probably, those of us that are Christians, are probably clear yes, that the Father has personality, the Son does, but the Spirit, because often imagery in the Bible is used, maybe a wind, breath, rain, fire, all of these things obviously are impersonal. We can sometimes be mistaken into thinking the Holy Spirit is just a force. Um, whereas, no, the Holy Spirit is a person. So when you think about being empowered by the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit, please think in personal terms. You're talking about developing a relationship with God. You're ta- you're, you're not, it's not just kind of power. in a kind of, it's, it's someone giving you the ability to do things you couldn't do before. It's someone giving you the ability to stop doing things you couldn't stop doing before. Okay? That's what it, that's, so please think in personal terms. Secondly, the Holy Spirit brings the presence of the Father and the presence of the Son to us. So a church that is filled with the Holy Spirit ought not to be fixated with the Holy Spirit. A church that's full of the Holy Spirit should be really excited about the Father and the Son because that's what he comes to do. He comes um, to show us that we really are God's children and to, give us, uh, uh, to show us the love of the Father and help us to understand the love of the Father and he comes to reveal Jesus to us so that we are, have a 
good and proper experiential understanding of the Father and the Son. So to be, uh, to be fixated with the person of the Holy Spirit is not what the Holy Spirit wants for you. He wants you to be uh, enjoying the love of the Father and glorifying the Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, thirdly, um, the, the work of Jesus on the cross has made a way for the work of the Holy Spirit. The gospel and the coming of the Holy Spirit are linked together. You cannot separate them. The Bible talks about the death of Jesus and then his resurrection and then that he ascended to the Father's right hand and then the Father and the Son send the Spirit. So the Son goes up, the Spirit comes down. Uh, which means that the age that we live in now is the age of the sent Spirit, the age of the descended Spirit. He has been sent, he has come down uh, and as a result of that we can experience and encounter the presence of the Father and the Son to the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said, it's better that I go because then the Holy Spirit can come. And so when Jesus was around, you could be around him physically, but you had to be physically in his proximity, whereas now every believer can know the presence of the Father and the Son living in them by the Spirit. That's why it's better. What an amazing thing to say. Um, Fourthly, without the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives, uh, we we become a little bit like a house, but with, with no one living there. So we can have all the structures in place, organization, activity, busyness. We can even sing and do other things. But if we are not increasingly enjoying the fully manifested presence of the Holy Spirit, it's a bit like a house with no one at home, which is not a very welcoming idea. It's not a very uh, appealing idea. Uh, the, whole, the whole thing becomes cold. And, the, you know, when you go, you go into a house and no one's been in there for a while, it's cold. Oh, no one's been here for a while. It's cold. It's musty. It's not fresh. There are things started growing and other stuff like. You don't want to be in a church like that, okay? We don't want to be a church like that. We want to be a church full of the presence of the one who lives here, full of God. So it's really important that that, that, that we take that seriously. Um, and then finally, although everything, all of this amazing inheritance of knowing the Spirit has been bought for us by Jesus, it doesn't fall automatically into our laps. We need to appropriate it by faith, which means we need to believe God and say yes and embrace all that God wants to do among us. Our activity is invited and welcomed. Our, our welcoming heart means a lot to God. In the Bible, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, if anyone uh, wants to open the door, I'll come and feast with him. It's written to Christians. It's, written, it's often used for pe- to, 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 talk, to talk to people who haven't ever known Jesus to open their heart for the first time, and it's great to use it in that way. It's a brilliant image. But that is actually written to Christians. Jesus says, I'm standing at the door and knocking. He's looking for a welcome among his people. And so it's so important that we take that seriously and say, yes, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm, I want all that you're offering. Uh, I want to welcome you here. I want to know you better and better. This moves and affects the heart of God and, and is very real and important that we engage with that. Faith is key. That we say, Lord, you've said it, I believe it, I want to step into it. We're not so much asking God to do something. He's kind of done it and he's poured the spirit out. We're trying to learn as a church to step into what God has done. Yeah? So it's really important you get your head around it. You're not trying to get God to do something, will he or won't he? No, he's done it. All of our debt has been paid at the cross and now God has poured out his spirit. We now by faith want to learn to say, Lord, we really want to step in to all that you're doing. Open our eyes, open our ears. We want you. Okay, so five things about the Holy Spirit. Uh, now we're going to look at this verse in Acts. If um, Matt could just bring that up, that'd be great. Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 37 to 39. The context is of what we're about to read is that uh, the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost He's just preached in Jerusalem that, that uh, Jesus, though he was crucified, God has risen him from the dead and that, and, and that he is now Lord and Saviour. That's the context. And it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent 
And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. What a promise. Well, the last two weeks we've looked at repentance. We looked week one at repenting, turning away from thinking we can save ourselves. And that's just quite hard psychologically. We all like to think we can contribute something. But it's turning away from that. No, I know I can't. Um, I've sinned, I've fallen short, but Jesus has done it all for me. Last week we looked at turning away from that way of thinking where we kind of hold on to darkness. We, we kind of want Jesus, but we still want to call and invite dark things in our lives. We kind of want to walk in the light, but we also want to walk in the darkness. And we end up kind of being torn and double-minded. And we was looking at how God is not, God is not looking for um, perfect people by any means. But he's looking for a heart that really wants him. And that that's important that we say, Lord, you know what? I don't actually know how to beat sin. I don't know how to overcome temptation. I need your spirit for that. But you know what, Lord? I resolve that my life is going to be about following you. Now come and please give me power. Yeah? So those are two kinds of repentance. This week we're going to look at the next thing, repent and be baptized. We're going to look at, now many of you here, perhaps the majority of you here, have been baptized. But we want to just look at this, unpack it, uh, make sure that we have a good understanding of, uh, of what it means. And um, Now, in the book of Acts, you see a lot of situations where the gospel is preached, people become Christians and get baptized. But it's not, it's not formulaic. It seems here that Peter's saying, once, once you're baptized, you'll receive the Spirit. You can't receive the Spirit until you've been baptized. Actually, when you read through the book of Acts, you realize it's not as formulaic as that. So in a place called Ephesus... Paul is travelling through, meets some disciples of John the Baptist. They haven't, haven't really grasped about the gospel and the Holy Spirit. So he preaches the gospel, baptises them, and then as soon as they come out of the water, he lays hands on them and the Holy Spirit comes on them. So there you see that's worked, worked out just like that. In a place called Samaria, where Philip goes, he preaches the gospel, people come to know Jesus and they're baptised. But then actually they are not empowered with the Holy Spirit until some time later when Peter and John come, lay hands on them, they receive the Spirit. So there in Samaria it's the same order as that, but there's a delay. In a man called Cornelius' household, Peter goes and preaches the gospel. As he's preaching in the middle of the sermon, the Holy Spirit falls on all of them and they are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So then Peter says, we better baptise them. So there it happens the other way around. So it's not actually that formulaic in the book of Acts. Um, but each time, baptism is involved. That's the important point. You, you, you don't find instances where baptism is just kind of, it doesn't happen. Um, baptism is central. Baptism, um, it's clear from the teaching and from the detailed accounts. There are, there's, sometimes there are headline accounts in Acts where it's not mentioned, but in the detailed accounts, and from the teaching, it's clear that baptism is central uh, and it, it is not something that's an optional extra. So why is baptism such a big deal? What do I mean by baptism? Baptism is the, um, is, is, is the immersion of a person in water and out again in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what baptism is. And I'm sure you've been around that or seen that even, or maybe even on TV if you're not familiar with um, much about Christianity. But it's really a big deal. Now, why is it a big deal? Well, the first reason is, is that it's primarily about obedience. It's the command of Jesus. It's the command of Jesus. He commanded his disciples to go and make disciples. And then, in case we're wondering, well, how do you make disciples? He made it clear. He said, number one, teach them how to obey me. Number two, baptize them. 
So you become a disciple by learning by by the work of the Holy Spirit, where you you're given a brand new heart, and you then say, "I want to learn how to follow you, Jesus." And you get taught by other Christians and by the Bible, and then you pass through the waters of baptism, which speaks of the old has gone and the new has come. Okay, but it's an act of obedience primarily. Even if you don't understand it 100%, our understanding is always growing. It's a it's a big moment where we say yes to the lordship of Jesus. Over our lives, um, it's like it's like um, it's to do with the covenant that God brings us into. See, covenant's a really important word. We don't use it much, so maybe we think, "Oh, what's that about?" It's a really big word because the way God deals with His people is by covenant. It means that He's not really into casual relationships. When God wants to have a people, He makes them promises, and the promises that He's so serious about, they're kind of um, He gives Himself fully to them and commits to them. He's a, he's a promise-making, promise-keeping God. And that's why we can feel safe following him, because he's faithful to his promises. And he draws us into covenant, and we become his covenant people. Now, in the Old Testament, the mark of covenant would be circumcision. Now, it seems like through the New Testament, there's a parallel idea with baptism, that it's a mark of covenant, that we're in covenant with God, we've been baptized, we've submitted to his, to his command, and we've been uh, baptized. Um, you see, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a similar thing, but it's different from the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, you came into the people of God primarily through birth. It was an ethnic thing. Faith and things were involved, but in many ways, you'd be born, you're an Israelite, you'd be circumcised as a male, shows that you're part of the people of God. There is a, there is a mark of the covenant in the New Covenant. It's not circumcision. It's something that men and women are called to go through and obey, and it's baptism. And it marks, I'm one of God's people now. That's, that's, I'm, I'm saying yes, I want to belong to him. Um, so that's why it's uh, a big deal. It's the initiation into the, into the Christian life. So let me just show you, sorry, just from um, the Gospel of John. Um, sorry, Matt, could we just come to the next slide there? Jesus, talking to a religious leader, said, I say to you, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. So the old covenant, you needed to be born as an Israelite. And you'd be part of the covenant people of God. In the new covenant, it's about being born again, which means there's a moment for each of us. There may be a very gradual journey that leads there, but for each of us, there's a moment where we go from darkness to light. Where we move from not knowing him to knowing him. It's called being born again. Maybe dramatic, it may not. But in the spirit, it's a clear line. I wasn't, now I am. I wasn't a disciple, now I'm following him. He wasn't my Lord, now he is my Lord. Even if you're brought up as a Christian, there's a moment. Even if you can't remember it, there was a moment where you were born again. Otherwise, you can't see the kingdom of God. It's what Jesus teaches here. So it's really, really clear. So there we go. It's a big deal, mark of the covenant. Secondly, it's part of the initiation. It's how you start the Christian life. So Romans 6, it says this. Don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, baptism is a really mysterious thing. Because nowhere in the Bible does it say it's a symbol. It's more than a symbol. The Bible says you are buried with him through baptism. It doesn't say it's a symbol of that. It says you are buried with him through baptism. Something happens. Something happens. Now, it's not as if you can just sort of turn up as someone who has no spiritual beliefs to a baptism service, go through the waters and then come out, oh, as a result, you know, Jesus. No, there is something that happens in the heart first. But that doesn't mean that what happens in the water is just a symbol. It's, it's, it's together. It's part of it. 
It's part of coming to Christ. It's a really important thing. You're buried with him. Um, it's how the Bible counts coming to Christ. It's public as well. Bible times be rivers, lakes, oceans. It's a, it's a, there's something public about it. You're coming out for Jesus. You say, I belong to him. That's a big deal. It's a really big deal to do that. Uh, the Bible describes it as being clothed with him, being buried and raised into new life. In fact, in 1 Peter, it talks about being saved through baptism. It uses language as strong as that. So it's, it's strong. It's a, it's, a, it's, a really important, um, it's a really important thing. So the Bible doesn't count saying a prayer or putting your hand up in a meeting. It counts being baptised. That's the line. And many cultures in the world understand this. Um, many cultures in the world, if you come from a certain culture, that, but in your family you're not Christian, it's the moment of baptism that causes the big issue. Because people understand that, that you are coming out of something and into something new now. So it's important that we understand it right. And for those of us that have been baptised, that we treasure that. Wow. You might think, wow, I knew I loved Jesus when I got baptised. I didn't know it was all of that. Well, it is. So enjoy it. And, uh, you know, meditate on it and thank God for it. All those things have happened to you. Take that into your heart. Apply faith there. Say, wow. Um, there are a lot of questions people have about baptism. Um, sometimes people say, well, what, what about if my tradition isn't, isn't believer's baptism? Um, is, it, is this just a style thing? No, because I know that there is many things we do as a, as a church as a style. It's just a style thing. The style of music we have. It's not. It's, not, it's, it's morally neutral. Okay. Other churches have different styles. You probably realise that. It's a style thing. Okay. It's not. It's not more or less spiritual. It's just. It's just music. Um, the fact that you know maybe you know maybe I dress this way. I'm one of the pastors. Maybe you're used to someone who preaches dressing differently. Fundamentally, I think it's a style thing. It's not, you know. But this, I would say, this is something that, with my dear friends from dis- different Christian traditions, I would say, no, we need to talk about this. Even other leaders, vicars, say, no, we need to talk about this because this is this is Bible teaching. It's not something you can just say, oh, we've all because we love that, don't we? Oh, well, you do it this way, I do it that way. We say that about everything. Wow, yeah, that is great. Is that for you? Is this for me? No, not with everything. Uh, and this is a clear command um, from Jesus. Um, I, th- I would say with my hand on my heart, it doesn't mean I, I'm not saying for a moment that things like christening and confirmation are meaningless. Not at all. Whatever is done in faith and for the glory of Jesus has immense meaning. Immense, immense meaning. And it's definitely, without a doubt, part of God's journey. So I'm not, I'm not being dismissive. I'm not writing anything off. I'm, I'm really not doing that. That's not my heart um, at all. But Christian baptism is an act of faith on the part of the person being baptised. You can't get away from it. Biblically, it is an act of faith on the part of the person who is being baptised. Um, it's not about your age, whether you're a child or an adult, it's about whether you believe. Okay, so paid baptism, children, no, that's not the conversation. The conversation is, do you believe in Jesus? Um, it says, please, I would just ask, ask you to engage with this as a matter of importance. If you haven't been baptised, uh, please engage with it. Please don't. Um, put it on the back burner, please. You know, um, um, submission to the teaching is uh, uh, of the Bible is is key in obeying Jesus. So we'll just um, some frequently asked questions: Can someone be baptised twice? No, that's impossible. Um, you can go through a, a watery experience more than once, <laughs> but you can't be baptised. Here's what I mean: more than once. Um, you need to, if you're going to be baptised, if 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 at some point in your life you were in quotes baptised, but you are you now come to a conviction through Scripture that I need to be baptised as a believer, 
then no matter how meaningful that other thing was or wasn't, you need to be able to say it wasn't baptism. Because you can only be baptized once. The Bible says there's one uh, baptism. Um, maybe you didn't know what you were doing. Or maybe you were coerced into something. That does happen, unfortunately. Some, sometimes people can be so zealous that you kind of feel lent on, I've got to do it. We would never do that here. I will preach strongly on it. But the Bible says whatever doesn't come from faith is sin. So I'm not trying to say, do it. Because I say, no, I'm, I'm trying to urge you, please go to the Bible. Please study. Please come to a place of faith on it. Um, that's really, really key. Um, so we preach passionately, but we're never going to, ne- would never dream of trying to lean on someone to do it. We just say, no, please, let's start the conversation. Let's talk about it. But let's see what, what does the Bible teach. Um, maybe you wanted to please others. That's why you did it. You know, these, the, there can be things. But a, ba- a baptism is where you know in your heart you love Jesus and you want to be baptized. Um, final question. Do I have to tell my story in public? It's amazing how many people I've met. Uh, so I don't want to be baptized. You say, why? I say, I don't want to tell my story in public. That has got nothing to do with baptism. <laughs> That's kind of like a funny tradition we've created. Um, you do not have to tell your story in public in order to be baptized. The baptism itself is a public thing, but you haven't got to stand up and do three minutes on why you're being baptized. Uh, if you want to, fine. But that's uh, not part of baptism, so you can rest assured on, on that front. Um, so yeah, so just just, a, just wanted to just talk about that today, get it out there. Just trying to be true to scripture. I'm not trying to cause trouble, not trying to be controversial, not trying to create problems. It's the last thing that we want. But I think it's important that we do sort of blow a clear trumpet blast on things that the Bible say. And so look, this is important and we need to look at this. So, so that's an important step according to the Bible uh, in terms of when it comes to receiving the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And we would ask you earnestly, seriously, please do think about that. Okay, now we're going to just focus for the next um, 15 minutes or so on something that the Holy Spirit does in our lives uh, when, we are, when, we know, when we know him and increasingly one of the things that he does. And it's this idea, it's a very interesting and important idea of testifying or bearing witness. Now, please don't jump to conclusions about what I mean because the Bible talks about it in three ways. And the Holy Spirit does all three. The first one is this, that the Holy Spirit bears witness to us of the reality of Jesus. He bears witness to us that the gospel is true. Now, I think this is very... I've felt in my spirit this week a real urgency around the fact that I I just feel... um, Yeah, urgency is the best word I can think of. um, That there there are numbers of us who, if you're really honest, you are doubting what you believe. You're... On, and you may never have articulated it, or you may have just to one or two others, but actually on, on, a, on a fairly fundamental level, due to who knows what, circumstances, things you've been around, who knows what, but you are you're saying, do you know what? I've got, some pretty big, I've got some pretty serious questions about whether this is true anymore. Uh, and I think it's important that if that's going on, that we don't just, that we're not afraid of that. Because that's not going to help, is it? How's how's that going to help? Either this is true, and the Holy Spirit is going to testify with such incredible power into your heart that it is true, that you'll know. And I'm not saying you'll never face doubts again, but every time you do, he will bring such a test, such a convincing witness to your heart that you will go right through to the end. Or it's not true, and like I've said many times before, let's all go home. We are not in the business of trying to defend something that's not true. What a waste of time that would be. Um, so I think we need to just look at this and face this. I, I genuinely believe that there, although the Bible makes it clear right the way through that you can't um, 
follow Jesus and kind of, I don't know, um, still have other lords or masters in your life. You, know, you can't serve two masters, Jesus said, and that kind of thing. I think some, sometimes people do so, though, functionally for years, even decades. Right? Not that, not that I'm pretending that it's fruitful or that it works, but kind of like the circumstances around kind of allow them to kind of somehow get through, whatever that means. I believe we're into a period of history where you simply will not be able to. Where you've either got to really know in your heart uh, to the point where you're willing to say, Jesus, I, I, you know, I'm, willing to, I, I'm willing in my heart to set you apart as Lord totally, or I'm not. I think that's where we're going. I think the forces of secularism are so powerful, so, so militant and powerful, uh, 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 aggressive, I think, um, that, uh, and, and relativism and all these different philosophies and thoughts that just don't align with the gospel. They're so powerful that unless we really get clear uh, in, with the help of the Spirit, impacts in our mind and our heart and our soul, that we, we, we're going we're to go one way or the other. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing because it just sometimes situations force something to happen that's been hanging on for too long anyway but we've got to know that we've got to understand how the, where does the spirit fit into this situation we find ourselves into the world we find ourselves in because we need the witness of the holy spirit if we are going to uh if we're going to really be strong in faith if we're going to grow if we're really going to come into the things that god has promised the bible promises um you need the witness of the holy spirit now i want to just say that doesn't happen normally by magic um what I mean is, is that fundamentally, if you are someone who has been born again, it doesn't happen by just thinking, I hope at some point the Spirit really convinces me. Normally, you would put yourself in a place, the kind of environment where the Spirit is normally at work, and look for him to do that. And what I mean by that is this, is that either through prayer, or through the Bible, or through fellowship, you will, you're in much more likely position to find the genuine and powerful witness of the Holy Spirit than anywhere else. Now, again, I'm not talking psychological games here. I'm not saying, well, if you immerse yourself in prayer enough, you might convince yourself enough. I'm not talking about that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the work of the Holy Spirit who brings such a, uh, such a strong conviction that you can't shake it. I mean, just personally, you know, I would say there have absolutely been times where I've come to a point where I've thought, either through difficulty or temptation or circumstances or exhaustion, you know, with complicated people made up of complicated things, I've, I've thought, do you know what, Lord? I, I'm deeply troubled about the reality of this, and yet I've given my life. I've given my life to, to this thing. <laughs> and you come to that point, I don't know if any of you can relate to me, and you're like, and I would say every time, hand on heart, God himself has brought me through. It's not been like I've kind of pulled myself up by my bootstraps or kind of, you know, I don't know, had a snooze and it woke up and it was okay. You know, that's it, not my story. I've literally, and it's a scary place, but when I get there, I, I just think the only thing I can do is be real about this. I can't, I can't, you know, the pretending, it's exhausting, isn't it? I, think, I can't do that. So I'm like, God, look, this is what it seems like. And then I just wait. And I continue to just keep an open uh, communication with him. I just say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. You're going to speak to me in your word. Or I'm going to just be around other believers. And I say, they're absolutely one way or another, God just restores by his spirit uh, a, a depth of conviction that, will, that, that goes underneath the doubt. Yeah? The, the, the doubt just goes way underneath that and just sits there. I think the Bible calls it the everlasting arms. <laughs> and it's like, boom. 
And you're like, okay, I'm happy to go again. I'm happy to completely go 100% again. Because I, I know, because I know, because I know. Uh, but it's, it's so important that we make the most of these means of grace. Prayer, the Bible, and fellowship. It, it really is. I would say for me, the last term was one of the most taxing terms of working full-time for the church uh, for the last 15 years. was one of the most taxing terms and, uh, of, my, of my life in that regard. And one of the things that was hugely significant was Tuesday morning, um, it was made up of the prayer meeting, then there's time um, with elders and a few other guys, and then, and then, we, have, then we have time as a staff. There was such nourishment came from those times. Such, such nourishment that I would come out and I felt like a different person. I felt like a different... But it wasn't just like, oh, they're really nice, positive people. It was like the Spirit of God ministered through them into the depths of my spirit. And they said exactly what I needed to hear. You know, without any kind of cue. <laughs> you know, just spontaneously, just bang. Did that. And it's like, wow. And it taught me that fellowship, and fellowship, by the way, is more than having a cup of tea with another Christian. All right, that doesn't quali- that yeah, that can become fellowship, but it's not just like, well, I'm having fellowship all the time. I'm always with these Christians, and no, fellowship is where you kind of the conversation. It, it, it's not full stock and tribe, but you, there's there's a your it's kingdom conversation, and, and God Himself manifests His presence through the conversation and through the praying and the things that need to be said and need to be prayed. Just God just knows, and He just gets right to the heart, and boom, and you think, oh, thank you, Lord. You know that. That's fellowship. And you know, the early believers used to fellowship daily. You think, why were they so like that? They fellowship daily. Neglect of fellowship. If you say, what one thing do I think would knock us off the rails in the coming years? It would either be neglect of fellowship, neglect of private prayer, or neglect of time in the Word. No two ways about it. Due to, normally, busyness. No two ways about it. I wouldn't have to think for long. That would be it. That's what it is. Because God, is, God says, come to the waters. Well, what does that look like? He says, I've given you my word. I've given you my people. I've given you my presence. Come, but you've got to come to the waters. So there's something for us to do. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. But you've got, who, who goes first? Draw near to God. I'm, I'm at the door. I'm waiting. Will you open? And it's more than just saying, yes, I want you. It's, there's something about what we do with our time and uh, our decisions that we make. It's, it's so important. And I, I guess I want to say that the Spirit, what he does is, as we, as we go to these environments where the Spirit is at work, fellowship, prayer, Bible study, I tell you, there's a testimony that comes. It's just, uh, something happens. I remember years ago, it's funny, I, there have been two times in my life, to my shame, but two times in my life where, forget, bio, forget sermon prep now as a pastor, but where just as a Christian, you know, I've just sort of done something a bit extreme on the Bible side. So one night I said, I'm going to read Job. So I read all 40, 41 chapters of Job in one evening. And, uh, and then another time, I had about three hours that I'm going to read Acts. And I'm just going to immerse myself in it. It's funny, I remember those experiences decades, years on. They weren't dramatic. There were, no angels came. Well, who knows? But I didn't see any. But so, there's a, something happened through that kind of decision. And I'm increasingly aware, even last night, doing a bit of babysitting, you know, Davina's out, friends, great, kids go to bed. I've got a choice at this point, haven't I? It's not that it's always, you should always read the Bible when you get every chance. But, you know, there's a regularly a decision between the remote control and the Bible, isn't there? Let's face it. 
And I thought, you know what, we're going to just do one John. I'm going to do one John. And I've got it on here now, so it's all fancy. So, like, you know, I just thought, I'm going to try and find all the key things through one John and give them different coloured highlighters. And I love all that, because I love stationery anyway. So it's just like, you know. But, but what I'm finding is I'm just going through it again and again. And I'm finding you seeing things you haven't seen before. I think, oh, I think I might be having a, a Job Acts, the sequel moment here. You know, it's, it's wonderful. And, but you, something happens. Something, it's like, I think John Piper, the famous preacher, he says, you know, if you rake around, you get some leaves, you start digging, you get some gold. And sometimes we've only got leaves because we're just raking on the surface, but you put some time aside to dig, you find the presence, the truth, the glory of God. Really, really amazing. And, you know, I just, there's a hunger here, I feel, that the Lord wants to bring in freshly. So that's the first um, witness uh, of the Spirit there. Um, the second element is that the Spirit gives us power to witness. The same, it's the same word that's used, to testify. He gives us power to be able to testify about Jesus. To be able to just speak about Jesus is really, let's not use words that get us all complicated, just speak about Jesus. Um, Acts 1 verse 8, I think we've skipped a few there, Matt, so keep going. Keep going, keep going. There. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, until the end of the earth. So, when the Spirit comes... He empowers you to be able to testify. So the Spirit comes and he testifies in my heart, this thing's true. And suddenly I'm convinced more than anything else, this is true. And then out of that place, the Spirit emboldens me to be able to tell people about Jesus. Now again, let's not pretend that this isn't controversial. This is now hugely controversial in our culture. This is massively, massively controversial. We live in a relativistic age where basically to suggest to someone that what you believe might be a good idea for them to believe too is totally inappropriate. But what do we do about that? How do we handle it? How do we engage with that? Well, I will say this. If witnessing or testifying means me trying to get people to believe what I do so that I win, or, or, or for any other reason like that, then I'm not interested in doing that. No. I'm not interested in winning arguments for the sake of it. I'm not interested in trying to look better than other people. I'm not interested in all that. But I tell you what I am interested in. I am interested in people finding forgiveness through Jesus. I'm really, really interested in that because that has revolutionized my life. The sins I've committed have been washed away forever by the blood of Jesus. So now I can be reconciled to God and have eternal life, which starts now. I'm really interested in people knowing about that. Yeah? Uh, And the Spirit will give me the power to talk about Jesus forgiving sin. I haven't got to answer about the dinosaurs. I haven't got to do that, right? Listen, yeah, there's books about. Just send them to Amazon, find a book about that, right? I haven't got to do that, but I can talk about how Jesus forgives sins. And I can tell them about what he's done in my life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's totally appropriate. Because the Bible teaches that as we do that, for some faith will come. Others will say, I don't, I don't believe. At that point, well, we've shared. There's nothing more we can do. We can pray for them. But we don't start unhelpfully pushing or shoving. No, the Bible says with gentleness and respect. But to go quiet, that's not, that's not admirable. That's not, that's not a good outcome. Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. So people get, come to faith by hearing the message of Jesus. So it's so important that we do share. The Holy Spirit will give us power to share. It's supernatural. Have any of you ever experienced this, as those of us that are Christians, where some days you just feel, I just can't. Other days you just, it just comes. 
I remember once we had a few days of prayer and fasting as a as a church, and it was a really funny thing because it was about it wasn't about personal witness, but I, I remember just the day the fast ended, just going into a video shop, you know, when when they used to exist, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and it was just such a bizarre moment of just such incredible, unpremeditated liberty in, in, in talking about Jesus. I came out, and you know when you shock yourself? What happened there? Well, I just spent a few days drawing near to God in a very intense and focused way, and as a result, something changed in me. You can analyse that, you can try and sit me on the couch and go through the, why did that happen? I, I think it was supernatural. I think it's supernatural. So he emboldens us to witness. And then finally, and this is really, really uh, encouraging here. Look at, these, look at these two scriptures. Jesus talking. When the helper comes, that's the Holy Spirit, whom I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you've been with me from the beginning. And then later on in Acts, Peter says, I think it's Peter, we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. What, what, what he's saying there is that the Spirit comes, he convinces us of the truth of the gospel. We then, in the power of the Holy Spirit, are able to witness, and the Spirit comes with us in that, and as we witness, he then testifies to those who don't yet know, and they get saved. Yeah. So, there's a, so through our witness in the Spirit, there's a witness that he brings. So if, if you've shared the gospel to someone and they've got saved, that's because the Holy Spirit has also testified through your words and has brought revelation to their heart. So that's what the Holy Spirit does also. He makes our witness convincing. He empowers our witness. Not just that we can open our mouth, but that what we say has an impact and people's lives are changed. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's such a lovely, uh, simple thing. And... Um, it explains how these unschooled early Christians could turn the world upside down. They were full of the Holy Spirit. They were full of, I tell you, I'm increasingly, increasingly convinced that as a church, if we can just learn to be good disciples, be filled with the Spirit through fellowship, through really taking the word seriously, through learning how to pray, we will turn the world upside down um, in the best possible way. Not in, not in any way that would have anything, um, anything negative or harmful about it. it. It may not always be popular, but I tell you what, it, it absolutely will just bring such restoration and healing to a broken world. We need the Holy Spirit. Um, so application, how do, we, how do we respond to this? Um, those of you that aren't baptised, please begin to really engage with this. Those of you that are, bless God for that. Think on that, dwell on that, feed on that. Um, uh, and please let us Engage with God's means of grace. He has given us means through which we can experience his grace. The word, prayer, fellowship. Um, it's not magic. Don't live your life looking for magic moments. They sometimes come by his grace. But don't build your life on that. Come to the waters. Draw near to God. Abide in him. Let's take that really, really seriously. The spirit is waiting to work in power. Now is the time. Now is the time. Please be in faith. This is just what the Bible teaches. It's not me trying to get you excited. It's what the Bible teaches. In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. It's what God says. Now is the day of salvation. The Bible says that. It's what it's talking about. And I want us to really say, yeah, God, I'm gonna, I want to reach into faith for this. Amen? Amen. Amen.